Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. They know the ins and outs of everywhere we're going. They will protect you. Horses, run! And they just like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I feel like I got a great break on a used car. <laughs> I, I, I that, was, that was a great, great quote. <laughs> this is war, Marcus. He's going to the bathroom. Are you in his house, you little psycho? <laughs> Get, the, get out of there. Look, it's a giant womb. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 150 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's going on? You ready to have a party of a lifetime? Oh, I'm ready to party. I'm ready to party. We're going to become so popular. So popular. (laughs) (laughs) We're the cool kids now, bro. Whose party are we at? Go ahead. What are we doing? We are doing Project X. Not the Matthew Broderick one. The 2012 party movie. <laughs> Not the Project chimpanzee X. one. When three high school students... Oh, yeah. nice. Three high school seniors throw a birthday party to make a name for themselves. As the night progresses, things spiral out of control as word of the party spreads. This is Project X. That's not in the synopsis. You put that in there. <laughs> that that is not in the synopsis. Nice. So Project X has a runtime of 88 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $12 million. Came out on Friday, March 2nd, 2012. Opening weekend it did $21 million. Domestic 54, worldwide 102, Butler, off of a $12 million budget. That is absolutely insane. That's fantastic. Our production company was Silver Pictures and Green Hat Films, and it was distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. Now, March 2nd on, in 2012, it went up against a wide release of The Lorax. I was not a fan of The Lorax. A limited release on that same weekend, you had Being Flynn and Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie. That's the Comedy Central one, right? It's uh, Adult Swim. Adult, that's what uh, I mean. Maybe they had a comedy. I don't know. No, no, no. I'm, I, yeah. I think I meant Adult Swim. You didn't like, I don't like I, I'm not a big fan of their comedy. No. I, it, it's just not for me. Is that the one where they look like they're hand-drawn like black and white? Is that right? Sometimes, yeah. They okay. do those kind of skits. The, the Tom and whatever goes to the mayor. And oh, I, a bunch of I think I, oh, I know what you're talking about now. Okay. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, okay, March 9th, the week after, in a wide release, you had John Carter. It was known John Carter from Mars back then, but John mm-hmm. Carter, A Silent House and A Thousand Words and an Unlimited Release, Friends with Kids and Sam- Salmon Fishing in Yemen. I've actually seen both Friends with Kids and Salmon Fishing in Yemen. I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. Of course you have. <laughs> well, uh, Ewan McGregor was in that. I saw John Carter in Mars. Uh, we, I think we watched that. We did. In IMAX. We did. Yeah. And it I, was... Uh, I uh, it was all right. It was okay. I, I was. I didn't get the hate for it. Well, I don't know. I never read. It was a graphic novel. It was. No, it was just an old novel. Yeah. One of the first sci-fi stories. I never read it. So I never had any kind of connection to the source material. But I believe that that was a lot of the problems with a lot of people was that it wasn't like what they expected. I, who knows? I don't know. The week before the 24th of February, you had Act of Valor, Gone, Good Deeds and Wanderlust in a wide release and then the limited release Goon. Goon's actually pretty funny. Uh, I recommend that. Uh, this movie, Project X, was directed by uh, Nima Norenzada. He's done American Ultra, 
Little America, the TV show, and the TV show Gangs of London. Screenplay was Matt Drake. He did Tully and Charlie Countryman. Story and screenplay credit goes to Michael Bacall, who's, did, who's written Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Those are two separate films. Cinematography mm-hmm. was Ken Sang, who's done Deadpool, Terminator Dark Fate, and Bad Words. Edited by Jeff Groff. Uh, he uh, was nominated for an Oscar for his editing in Joker. He also has done War Dogs and The Hangover 2. Produced by Todd Phillips, who has also produced A Star is Born, All the King's Men, and the TV show Limitless. Obviously, Todd Phillips is the director because he directed Joker and amongst other things. But I mm-hmm. wanted to give you just producing credits there. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> he did the Hangover series as well. Yeah. All right. So you had Thomas. Well, all these people are named. They have the same names as their characters. Thomas Mann plays Thomas. He is from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Kong, Skull Island, and the Highwaymen. Uh, Oliver Cooper plays Costa. He's in the TV show Red Oaks, which I'm going to recommend again to you because that's actually pretty good. I didn't ever recommend well, it. Don't think you've ever read so, Red Oaks is a TV show on Prime. It's only three seasons long, but it takes place in the 80s uh, on a country course, uh, on a country golf course, stuff, country course. So it's like an 80s good comedy. Kind, it's a little bit. It's got a. It's comedy, but it's also uh, got some drama elements. It's about a kid who. Um, he wants to be a filmmaker, okay, but he's also working part time, and and I believe Oliver Cooper plays his friend. It's actually pretty good. It's 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 got some funny stuff. It's like a it's like a show that the best way I can describe it is like a show that it felt like it was made in the eighties. You know how some eighties films and TV shows now mind that nostalgia, uh, nostalgia kind of for yeah. you, and, and you it's like it kind of like makes it look better than it was. This feels like somebody found this show in the eighties and reran it. That's how oh, it feels. that's kind of cool. Yeah. He's also an office Christmas party and the front runner. Uh, Jonathan Daniel Brown as JB. He's in Kid Cannabis, The Final Wish, and Bad Milo. Dax Flame as Dax. He's in 21 Jump Street and The Watch. Kirby Bliss Bland as Kirby. <laughs> She's in The Green Inferno, uh, the 2018 Death Wish, and Final Frequency. And I want to say that might be a sequel to Frequency. What? I know. I believe so. I might be wrong there. Direct to video, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you had Brady Hender as Everett. He was one of the security guards. He's an infamous and the man who came back. And then Nick Nervis as Tyler. He's the other security guard. He's in Role Models, The Soloist, and the TV show Mr. Box Office. And then uh, I, this must be his first film, Miles Teller as Miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of people know who he is. Uh, we started off in the 2011 Footloose. He was in The Spectacular Now. And he's in the upcoming Top Gun Maverick. He's not playing the actor version of him? They call him Miles and they call him Miles Teller, but no, they just say that he is a sports star, that he used to go to their high school. And oh, he a plays, sports star. Okay. I yeah. thought they said he came from, he lived around here. And, okay. I thought he was just playing himself. They may, I don't know, but they never, when they, they reference really him, reference they reference the fact that he was a popular In the high school, a, yeah. a baseball player. So that's, that's how they reference. And then I, cause I thought what you thought initially. Mm-hmm. And then when I, when I went back and, um, when I watched the movie, they referenced the the foot the baseball stuff, and I'm like, I don't think he's the actor. I think like I don't think he's playing himself gotcha, as himself. Okay. I think he's just playing him his same name, but he's a different kind of minor, minor celebrity. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Also, Final Frequency is not a sequel. It isn't. Oh, I wish it was now though. They did do a <laughs> they did do a Frequency sequel. Uh, I believe it went direct to TV. No, no, no nobody's did, in it. That was in the yeah, original. They definitely movie. did the TV show as well. Oh, that's right. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking. All right, so um, you saw this already, right? No. No, wow. Okay, so I saw this. Yes. All right. Before we get... Oh, you know what? What'd you think? <laughs> it's what I thought it would be. It's not a movie for me. It's just a bunch of people having a party. And then see, they here, it. see, here's the thing. I didn't I, think that I would like it when I first watched it right. initially. 
I was like, oh, let me watch it because I'm not a big found footage guy. And we can get into that uh, later. But I was surprised that I liked it. I don't know why I liked it. I just thought it was just ridiculous. I don't know why. I still like it. I don't know. I can't explain to you why. Because I don't know. I don't know Some why. part of you yearns for, no, to be yeah. part of a party like this. It reminded me of the parties I used to attend. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, I, there's nothing wrong with it. If this is a movie that's for you, that's for you. But I, I don't really, there's nothing in there for me. There's, there's very little story. I, I don't think, you don't really get. The character arcs are kind of forced and just kind of generic that are in there. And just it's just a bunch of like party nonsense. I don't think any of it was particularly funny. Mm-hmm. There were no moments within the party where I was like, oh, shit. Oh, man. Like I, I, I wanted I was expecting maybe more from the party based like it's based on real life. And obviously this is like a heightened version of, of whatever really went down. And there was nothing that made me really go, oh, man. Except for obviously they put the little person in the oven. He comes out and punches them all in the balls. That's not what they call it in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> but I re- that's the only thing I remember from the trailer is that part of the uh, party. Right. So and he also I, drive- I was like, all right. He also drives the car into the uh, into the pool. At the yeah, end because he comes out. What is he suck my dick or something? And he just starts punching people. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part about the when he comes out of the oven and he starts punching people. He punches that girl last in oh, the crotch. Yes, She's like, like, oh, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Um, so what Butler was referring to is that this is loosely based on uh, uh, a house party that was thrown by Corey Worthington in Australia, and he he was at when he, this is when he was a teenager. He posted his address for the house party on MySpace. This is how long ago it was, <laughs> and over and over five hundred people showed up. It caused like twenty thousand dollars in property damage. His party attracted journalists and wild, and was everyone hated it. Like the public didn't like it because they were being assaulted by random groups of teens. At the end of this film. When the news lady's talking to Costa, that's pretty much what happens when they they did the same thing with Corey. They talked to him on a, like a TV show. He's like, "Whatever, man, you should like." He was like, completely just didn't care. Does that does that not affect you? The fact that it's based on a true story does that matter to you or no? I know you said I don't, you said you kind of didn't. You didn't care, but I, I mean, I, I didn't care because it doesn't go over the like. There's nothing in here that I don't think I've never seen in a party movie. Uh, it's just found footage. Like I said, I, I wanted more jokes. And if it is based on real life, you have to uh, accentuate that as well. Right. I mean, there wasn't anything that really made me go, whoa. Uh, and I hated the flamethrower guy. Like that's really the only super ridiculous thing that happens at the party. And I hated that. <laughs> <What>? Except <laughs> for when he screams, give me back my gnome. Uh, but other than that, it's like, eh. Oh, well, because <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's doing it. Because he wanted his gnome back. <laughs> but the gnome's filled with drugs. And I would have liked it better if he was just going crazy for the gnome. Oh, he uh, just he really wanted his gnome. Oh, I think the 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 drug angle, the the fact that it's full of ecstasy is that it it kind of turns the party gets because right now everyone's having everyone's partying and it's getting out of control a little bit. But once everyone starts taking all those drugs, it's like, oh, that's when they really get it. Yeah. Um, No, it's definitely surrealistic. It's definitely something that would never you'd you'd think would never happen, would never get to that point. But it did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know that. Well, that's funny is that they shot this on a set. They shot this on the same set as Lethal Weapon. So the I can kind of see that. The neighbor that the neighbor that comes over and he gets he gets shocked and then he, and he punches punches the little, little kid. kid. So when he goes back to his house and he's given the finger, that's Murtaugh's house that he's given the nice. finger. Nice. But so they shot on they shot on a set because they didn't want because they're going to basically just trash everything. Right. Yeah. Um, but they still got noise complaints from people that are around the area when they're, cause, really? they, cause the, the shooting was, uh, for five weeks and it was from 5 PM to 5 AM every night. 
So, and it was like, they used 200 extras and they basically, and this is what I thought when um, they were doing this. I'm like, they've got to just be walking. They just be, go have a party. Like they got to just be doing like, that's how they're shooting a lot Walk of this around stuff. and move people around. So yeah. some of the footage is shot by, they handed out cell phones to the, to the extras and they said, just our film. Go to our film stuff. To the point where like the girl that they catch at peeing behind the car is actually peeing behind the car because she had to go pee. And they were recording it and she was like, get out. Like it's so that's legitimately happening. That's so, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought that was like just because just the sheer magnitude of how are you shooting any of this? Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and that kind of leads me to the point of of the found footage. Like a lot of stuff with found footage, I don't like because there's a set of rules that they set up. And, you know, like they found this footage and they've put it together for me to see. And and that was like how Blair Witch was set up. The, the one of the first found footage. Films. Right. Not I don't think it was the first, but it was one of the first one of the more successful. It was the, the ones. big one. Yeah. Um, and. And my thing, like with this is like they don't really it, it turned into like a genre now where it's just that's how it looks like that, like kind of like in the office. The TV show, The Office, they're in a documentary and that right. pays off at the end of the ser- season, the series, because they're like, yeah, the doctor's going to be here. Yeah, so, yeah. But then you had a show like Modern Family that came out and Modern Family did the same technique with no explanation. They just suddenly talked. Right. The, yeah. No explanation of why they're doing that. So that's kind of what happens here. So uh, my complaints are still valid because it's not like they say like we found this. It's not like there's a disclaimer in front of this movie that's like we found this footage of this party. Well, they talk about how and this is uh, what's his face. Dax is just going around he's going to shoot this for us right 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 yeah so they, they so there you go the they do set it yeah. up but then that means that like we have to believe that dax goes and gets all these other footage but that's the thing is like some of the footage of the party does look like it's from cell phones it does right. suddenly separate from dax's somewhere else and then he's all of a sudden at the party or yeah. he's with thomas in his room yes. talking with Coop, uh, costa yeah and then we also see the security guard kid Yes, as well, yeah. and that's not really found footage. That's just him going. All right, it's over, him. It's, he's on a it's him using, but it, it, he's recording himself sometimes, like when he's in the car hiding. Right, he's recording himself. So, and when he's in the, they had that one shot where he's in the, uh, in the house. Yeah, which I do like that scene. That's <laughs> funny. But I'm in too deep. So, so I'm. What I'm saying is that if you're gonna hold that, what I always talk about found footage to this movie, it doesn't hold up. And I, you know, it it kind of lacked in that regard. Like, right. you know what I mean? I really like the movie Chronicle. But Chronicle Chronicle's does good. the same thing because Chronicle has one moment where it goes to the love interest, the girl's point of view, where she's holding a camera. Right. And I'm thinking like, so you splice that editing in, you splice that. So, but the whole thing was supposed to be found at the end, right? In the, in the mountains, right? Yeah. So that always bugged me in Chronicle, but they seem to always do that, except for Blair Witch, and I'm not the biggest Blair Witch guy. Uh, Cloverfield usually keeps the camera in the one That's position the, as oh, well. The first one. You're the right. first one. I have, like, I have so far forgotten like anything that's happened in Cloverfield. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, it's, just, it's been movie? so. I really I like one the first time. Movie, I don't not like. It. I just don't remember. Don't remember it. it. Yeah, but they they do a good job of not going to other points of view and stuff. Obviously, sure. they record over his old footage, so they do flash to like him and the girl previously. But it kind of all makes sense. I don't think it breaks mm-hmm. its own rules. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chronicle does a big thing. <laughs> you brought up Dax. Dax Flame. Dax. He, you know, he's a YouTuber, I guess. So he was the 16th most subscribed YouTuber before the before starring in the movie. And a lot of these people are, it's their first film. They did an open casting call with the exception of the guy who played Thomas, Thomas Mann. Mm-hmm. He had some credits. Um, and I guess he like, I don't know, re, re, uh, auditioned like five or six times to get the role, but everyone else it's, it's pretty much their first, yeah, first film. Role. Okay. Um, but I guess like this guy Dax, like I get his YouTube 
I, not, uh, I guess he kind of his flame petered out. Mm-hmm. He, he he works at a sushi restaurant now. That's that's the note I really? got. Can you imagine someone writing that note into the IMDb Pro thing? Sushi restaurant. Yeah, that's right, Dax. You probably that's saw him. Right. Like, oh, you Dax. What are you doing? Huh. Give me some more. Uh, I'll take another uh, sashimi, man. Come on, let's go. I'm gonna put this in IMDb. Uh, so you talk about you know the movie not having a not having I guess a plot. Is that what you're trying to say? There's no real big. I don't really think there's a big, I mean, obviously it's the typical party plot. We want to have a party and get popular. Right. And it's Thomas realizing that he had it in him to make the party the whole time. I I don't know. Like it's just, I I don't think there's a lot of character development. He gets Kirby back by going, Oh man, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have made out with that girl. I really just want to be with you next birthday. And it's just so the whole point of the movie is obviously just to show this party. And I don't need that stuff. I think that that's just, trying to shoehorn a story elements in where it doesn't necessarily need to be. I agree with you. I don't, I don't, this is not a, this is not a plot driven movie. No, not at all. Um, it's, it, I mean, you could argue that it's, cause you could argue it's a care. It's more about the three characters, but I would argue that it's not really Thomas's film. It's Costa's film that it's oh, really about him. Sure. And to the point when that, that is accentuated by two things. One, the scene when they're all laying on the grass and they're kind of like, they're all high and they're all talking about, Oh, we need this. I, I don't, it's, it looks like it's shot with a spotlight. Yeah. Casa's in the middle, you know, he's in the middle of the two of them. And also another point was the studio suggested that the film be titled happy birthday, Thomas cup. But Todd Phillips, the producer argued that it made the movie feel like a good nature, buddy comedy and not a no holds barred comedy like they were going for. Right. And the writers felt that Costa was the focal point in the movie. So I'm, I don't know why that they, they decided to, to do the Thomas and Kirby angle. Maybe that just felt natural to them. But like I, Oh, throughout the movie, definitely the second time watching this, I definitely thought it was, this was, this is Costa's film. This is his movie. And they don't really give him, the, they give his ending to Thomas. You can't really make him somebody who's trying to go for Kirby or, you know what right. I mean? Thomas doesn't have any motivation, really, for the party. Well, Costa's using his on. birthday as But Costa excuse. has yeah. the motiv- motivation, like a bunch of different motivations. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to become more popular and prove that he can put on a great party. Yeah. Prove that he is what he, what he always talks up. He always talks up like what his life was like in Long Island. And he wants to show, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what I was. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to prove to his friends that he was his party guy. And he's trying to get laid. Thomas doesn't care. He doesn't even want the party. So it's like he doesn't really have much motivation. Well, he doesn't want the huge party. He just just wants a little get together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, again, the Kirby stuff is all shoehorned in. It just doesn't really hold through. Costa being the main character makes more sense, but Thomas is still the focal point. Well, it's his party. It's It's his party. It's his house. He's got more at stake with the party. Right. A lot of reviews have labeled this movie misogynistic. Would you, do you agree? I mean, there's boobs. Okay. And making out. Well, listen, th- 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 this it's type a, of party does teenage, not happen. But it's a teenage. Yeah, the girls aren't going to see uh, this, nude girls only in the pool. This type though. of party okay. does not happen. <laughs> I mean, you could talk to me all you. Oh, yeah, I've been to parties like that. No, you have not. But I can see how, in some ways, like the one girl who just takes her clothes off for Thomas and makes out because it's his birthday and yeah. is like all about that. No. Or, you know, Kirby taking Thomas back for absolutely no reason. Uh, and that. Costa obviously calls the news reporter sugar tits and went, what of it, sugar tits? Well, yes. That guy tells her off at the end. That I thought was a little much. Like, I was like, I don't need that. I thought it was like a huge dick. <laughs> like, I, I didn't see that as part of his character. But other than that, I don't think it's 
any more misogynistic than most other like party movies. Right. Well, and I, th- I mean, we talk about this all the time in films of how, you know, female characters are written differently or not written at all uh, in terms of like being built up. Right. Uh, those characters, this, right. this film's definitely one of those. Right. And that's why you have a movie like Cockblockers that comes out that is pretty much right. like this movie, but it's about, about, it's about the girls, girl yeah, which is yeah. nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and even like, even super bad kind of goes on the other side of not just because it shows Emma Stone's character. Right. Part. right. Yeah, so yeah. super bad does that as well. But I will say that my only, not, it's not a counter, but my only comment is that like, I absolutely believe that the way they talk to each other and the way they talk and the words they use and how they treat each other is almost 95% on par with what happens in high school. I do think that's I, cool. I, I, I didn't throw like slang and be like, Hey, good, we got to be hip. Right. It's actually like how people talk. Right. right. It's, it's, I mean, like I had a laugh because one of the, one of the lines in the movie made me laugh because. Cause they're going around like, Hey, you going to the party? Hey, go to the party. And they go to this one kid. He's like, yeah, what are you gonna do? He's like, get high, fuck bitches. You don't even know. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> like, like, you're going to probably do, you know, get high. And that's, that's about it. it. <laughs> it's like, that makes, that made me laugh. Cause it's like, clearly like, no, you're not. Dude. Get high, go to sleep. Yeah. Eat some cheese. Yeah. It's like, you will do nothing. Tonight, but get high and just probably like fall down in your own pile of vomit. Like that's, what's going to happen with you, pal. And so that makes, but, but that make, like, if you see, that's the thing. Like I can watch that and know that he's full of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't take what he says at face value. I was like, oh, this guy's ridiculous. I can't believe he's going to do that to me. Like, no, he's not. No one knows what they're doing at 16 and 17. He's going to talk a big game. Exactly. They just don't want to be made fun of. And they just want to, they, they think about, oh, I want to have a good time. But like, when you're like, well, what does that mean to you? You're like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know? What if you with a girl? What are you going to do? Yeah. I, 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 I'll yeah, exactly. Find out, I guess. I so I, know. so I, there is a believability factor for me for the, a lot of the, like the fact that it's manic, manic, the, the way it was shot, that it's not neat. Like even like the big scene, like when Miles, um, uh, bat hits the right, no, it explodes. Like right. that's like almost like it is a pivotal scene in the movie. So you think that it would be shot differently, but it wasn't. It was still shot rough. It was still just kind of like choppy. Like that's how these. That's how it is when you think. Like when we look back and think about, oh, we had a party, or oh, we did this thing. You always look back and you always polish over everything, and you always think that like, oh, it happened so perfectly. And, and even in movies. And if any kind of event always is shown as, as everything breaks right and so perfect, but like something right. like this, it's like, it's completely a haphazard and there's no rhyme or reason to half the stuff that's going on in here. Right. That, that's just kind of like, I think why I liked the manic nature of the way it was shot and the way it looked. I don't know. I just, I still like the movie. It made me laugh. Stuff made me laugh. Is it, it am I going to sit here? I'm not going to, I mean, your points are valid. So like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like I, I can't sit here and be like, no, you're right. But this is the most pirated movie in 2012. 8.7 downloads. Because kids million are pirated. That's where kids want to watch all the crazy party. I got to tell you, I was, I did not know I made this much money. I made 102 million worldwide. I, that kind of shocked me. That's a lot. That's more than I thought. I knew it made a ton, but that yeah. is more than I thought it would make. And I guess as of December 2012, so it's the same year, it, uh, it's, it had earned $15.5 million on home box office and rentals and DVDs and stuff right. like that. So it's probably still, I mean, I, by now it's probably... Oof, it's probably up there. It's probably still got a lot of money going on. Probably does well for Netflix. What's up? Probably does well for Netflix. Oh, I'm sure that's why they have it. I'm sure you're going to keep seeing it. Oh, yeah. People try streaming it all the time. Yeah. So a little bit more about the movie itself. Todd Phillips also described this film as an experiment. And executive producer Alex Heineman pr- provided a basic concept with a lot of members of the production team sharing tales of parties they had attended and heard about. And the writers put that into the script. 
And speaking of the writer, uh, Bacall, who wrote, I want to say probably wrote a majority of the script, was working on the script at night Mm -hmm. while he was writing 21 Jump Street and Scott Pilgrim in the day at the same time. I mean, like, are you kidding me? Really? Yeah. Scott Pilgrim and 21 Jump Street? That's what the note said. Scott Pilgrim came out way before either of these Maybe he was working on edits or maybe that the script was days old. Yeah, I don't know. But then so would 21 Jump Street. Although I imagine 21 Jump Street had been rewritten so many times as well. True, true. Probably get all those jokes in. I like that the uh, to create a bond between all three of the actors, they sent them to Disneyland. That seems to be a theme with a lot of movies that deal with groups of people that are supposed to be close-knit. You go have them go, we did Shallow Grave a couple yeah, weeks ago. They had to stay in the, yeah. their own loft for a week and stuff like that. But that makes sense, though, because you want your three leads not to be awkward. You want them to kind of get their mannerisms down. Yeah, you want them to know each other. So I'm curious. You You like that. But sure. I think we both don't like, like for say, instance, the power of the dog when Ben and a cover batch doesn't talk to Christian Dunst. I don't what, like method things. Yeah, but, so, but that's sense. why does that? How do, I'm I'm not. It's not. I'm curious why. What's the difference there? You're for trying you? to build chemistry when you have the actors go off and do something, sure. so that their dialogue comes off as natural. But when you do something where it's just like I'm not going to talk to her, or I have to smoke, you know, I have to be Winston Churchill and smoke cigars till I get tobacco poisoning, like Gary. <laughs> uh, stuff like that, I think, is just. You don't need that to get chemistry. You don't need that to get into the character. You're supposed to, you know, get into their headspace. You don't need to do that to get into their headspace. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they did something doesn't mean you have to do it to get there. The whole thing has to be an actor. Right. Uh, that's why I'm not a big fan of the proponent of you have to be something to play something. Right. Uh, the whole point of actor is you're, you're a professional pretender. And if you can't pretend, you're not a good actor. Um, but getting chemistry makes sense because you need to be friendly with people. That's why there's rehearsals in in plays and stuff like that. Not just obviously to memorize the dialogue and know your mark, but to be able to say the lines naturally and to be able to have this unspoken bond between you and the other actors. At this, as viewers, you're like, yeah, okay, I believe they've known each other for a long time, and on film especially. You don't get that. You get a couple takes, but then it's like, all right, on to the next take. You don't spend, you know, six months rehearsing, uh, getting your marks down, all that kind of stuff. And now the show opens and you just kind of improve upon that over time. Like, let's say the producers with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, you know, people started going there because their chemistry was was so great. Um, That's why the play lasted so long. But movies don't get that kind of leeway. Mm -hmm. So doing something like that makes sense. What did you think of seeing that you're talking about actors? Um, what did you think about the performances? Anyone jump out? Anyone you didn't like? Costa's what? good. I yeah. like Costa. Oliver I, Cooper. Yeah. Thomas doesn't have much to do other than the freak out that people are trash in his house. JB doesn't do much for me. I, I don't know about JB. And Kirby is just kind of, like I said, thrown in there. <laughs> did you ever see... Um, these guys and other stuff. Like, did you ever see me and Earl and the Dying Girl with Thomas Mann? Or I've seen Thomas Mann in a few things. Yeah, right. Um, Co- Cooper, you've seen before in other stuff, but he's been smaller roles. He's in. I think he's in that Pizza Hut commercial now. Nice. With um, hey man, that pays money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kirby was in uh, the Green Inferno and obviously Death Wish 2018. So she's been in some stuff. I never saw Green Inferno, but I did see Death Wish and obviously Milestone. <laughs> <laughs> so you you kind of were. Okay with the three of them together, totally, or yeah, I mean, they didn't really do anything that was like crazy impressive, but they didn't do anything to upset me, and I, sure. I was like, mm, I don't know if I buy them as friends, like I totally bought them as friends, 
but they didn't have any standout scenes where I was like, oh man, yes. Whereas the two little kid security guards, I think, stole the show from me. <laughs> they they were awesome. good. Yeah. He's going to the bathroom. Are you in his house, you little psycho? <laughs> oh, get, the, get out of there. <laughs> Ninjas are pussies. <laughs> I love this kid. <laughs> You're not calling anyone. You just punched a little kid. Oh, I know. What he? What he? I forgot that he punches them. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or how about did you like it when uh, the cops came and Cost is like talking, like talking to him? Like, no, you. I'm pretty sure you can't. You, 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 you can't, can't come in. Come but, in. Yeah. yeah. If I say no, you can't come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather you not, officer. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so there was going to be a sequel. Four I days after I this was, yeah, four days after this was, movie was released, it was announced that there was going to be a sequel called Project XX. And Bacall was going to write it. And it was actually, they had a release date of August 19th, 2016, but obviously that never happened. I don't know what you're going to do with that. It doesn't that. matter. Yeah. You just have a party. Again, nothing goes on in this movie other than it's a huge <laughs> European party. vacation party? Everyone, everyone comes to it. <laughs> going to get all the college and high school kids coming to watch it or high school kids buying tickets for another movie and then sneaking into it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't get why they didn't make another one. It's not a hard movie to make. Made a lot of money for a lot. Exactly. You're going to have to pay. The, if you're going to use the same actors, you're going to pay them a little bit more. So your budget's going to go up maybe $22 million, $20 million. But, you, I mean, opening weekend, I mean, you completely wiped out the budget. So exactly. you're good. Yeah. What's the marketing? It, I mean, it's, it's usually it, marketing is usually equal to the amount of the budget. No, I know. But yeah. do you need that with another Project X? I don't know. But you go to colleges, you do like. Hey guys, here's some Project X themed, you know, beer punk cups and stuff like that. Well, didn't yeah. they? They didn't remake it, but didn't wasn't there a show on Prime or Netflix that kind of did this where they were drinking? The kids were like, just was it like binge or something like that? Or oh, you're old, man. You're making me. You know what's funny binge? is that I I'm surprised <laughs> that I like this more than you because obviously I'm older than you. Um, I thought you would like this because you're more, you know, you're younger. I don't, I mean, you're just a stick in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's so many party movies and there's so many party movies where there are moments that are really crazy or really make me laugh. And I mean, this was an out of control party, but like you said, it, it it's a party. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what I like. It is a general, it's just a college party amped up to 11. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's what I wasn't a big fan of. And there's no real moment between the three leads where well, they're just like it's just a moment where they're lying in the grass but there's no moments that well and also at the end when they're walking in the hallway at school and everyone's like oh great party because they're popping right around. like i don't i don't know it's not that i didn't like it it's just exactly what i expected which was like it was it's a fun easy watch but i don't think it really gives like i i don't like super bad that much right yeah i, I you know what funny as i mentioned that someone the other day was asking me to rank uh wedding crashers and the hangover and super bad and i was like well super bad's three yeah really oh i love it i go i go oh, okay but not as not as good as winning crashes in the hangover no. yeah I, I i get why some people like super bad but it's it's i don't personally think it's very good yeah um i haven't seen it forever but there are moments that are good and i think super bad's got jonah hill and michael Sarah's chemistry and their story together mm -hmm. for that night that they're going through and mclovin is really strong oh, mclovin is the i don't even know his man. i don't even know his real name i don't care no, i don't yeah. care chris Furman's plastic i don't care to know his real name but that's, i don't know how that came to the top of my head because i used to just go hey it's mclovin <laughs> that that storyline is the only good part of super bad that i enjoy but mm -hmm. michael sarah jonah hill stuff is 
has weight. It's got meaning. It's actually trying to say something. And right. I don't think this has that to like hold it together. I don't think this movie's trying to say anything though. That's my, neither, that's no, my neither do yeah. I. Yeah. I, I don't think it is. And I think maybe that's why I don't enjoy it as much as me. What are you trying to say? Me? Yeah. There's Can't nothing you, wrong with like turn off your brain, Butler. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to some reviews so you can find some people that you agree with. Empire's Chris Hewitt <laughs> referred to the central characters portrayed by Man Cooper and Brown as spectacularly unlikable. He he labels the characters unrepentant, nihilistic, vile, venal, animalistic, avaricious, charmless, entitled, sub-Kardashian, stunningly irresponsible brats. He stated that the film is possibly the worst film of the last 20 years. It's certainly the worst comedy of the last 20 years. And he called Cooper, um, this is uh, Costa, the most annoying movie character since Jar Jar Binks. What? Damn. <laughs> so that, that's who you're siding with. <laughs> uh, some of what he says isn't untrue. They are entitled sub-Kardashian brats. I mean, they're obviously part of the rich part of town and what looks like Southern Los Angeles. They're in Pasadena. They're in Pasadena. So they're obviously rich, you know, like spoiled brats, obviously. <laughs> that That's clear as day. Uh, they do become a bit of like assholes as the party goes on. Sure. Because I think things spiral out of control to the point where they have no choice but to give in to the party but they also are you know drug induced so uh, their their inhibitions have been they're worn drunk down and, and, yeah and on stuff yeah so, so I, I don't know about violence they're definitely not vile <laughs> although costa does i think he does get vile when he's on the on the news with that reporter i think he's that's like a shift he's not like trying to sell you something anymore he's just he's trying, being an ass well that's that's his that's his mo it's that's that's who he is i don't know if that matches why? Because Costa everyone from earlier. I think it does because he's on a show. Everyone's gonna watch him. Everyone's gonna know that he threw the bitches party. And they're well, gonna I, I yeah, get that talking yeah, it up, but yeah. I don't know. Robbie Collin of the Telegraph called the film flamboyantly loathsome on every imaginable level. <laughs> and he of the three characters, he says, unlike Superbad's leads, these three are poisonously unpleasant, and the supposedly comedic banter between them comes off as bullying. Now my thing with that quote is, is he talking about that they're bullying each other? Because newsflash, Robbie, that's what friends do. They bully each other. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, like, this is something I probably more so with, with guys than girls when they're growing up. But I had a group of friends and I was, I have never been ripped on more than I was ripped on with my friends. No. Yeah. I, I didn't think their banter was bullying. Yeah. It so was, that's what, that's how, that's how kids are, man. But, now I got a positive one, so you can you can disagree take, with that. No, I disagreed no. with your negative reviews. No, too, like. Owen Gleiberman accused the negative reviews of fulfilling the role of those all those uptight parents in the fifties news reports about the dangers of rock and roll <laughs> by applying moral judgments to the events of the film. So he's just you're like these fifth old old fuddy duddies from the fifties. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with the fuddy duddies, or I don't agree with the. Uh, I think the film is what it is. I don't think it's. I don't think the party is vile enough. Like I don't. Think I want them to go more. I want them to murder people. I don't think it was ex extreme enough. What did you? What are you talking about? The house gets burned down. From the flamethrower guy that okay appears, but they caused that by stealing his math or his. Uh, excuse his, me, not his math. His his ecstasy. Uh, uh, what about the guy? What about the uh, little person that drives the car that's into about, the uh, that's pool? About the, the shocking thing. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> he I jumps off his roof more. into a bouncy house. That kid breaks his finger. JB breaks oh, his finger. Yeah, the finger's gross. <laughs> Um, what did you think about the dad? 
I liked the quote, although again, the movie isn't, they're trying to shoehorn a theme at the end of it. Right. That wasn't there, but I do like the dad's quote at the end. Like he's clearly mad at his son, but he's just like, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm so sorry. Dad. No, I literally didn't think you had it in you. Because at the beginning of the he film, called, he talks yeah. about how his son would that, never be able to throw a party. And, like and I like that. But the, the only thing I don't like is when he calls him a loser. Because I was like, ah, that's you're not going to do that. Nobody. I mean, he saw, and like he because he said it with such seriousness. It's like, yeah, dude, you think your son's a loser? I mean, come on. He's just <laughs> not, like that. That's just if he just didn't say that part. Right. I think it, I, I think the bookend would have been fine with me. Sure. I just really had a problem with him calling his son a loser. I just thought that wasn't. That was, this would be funny if he says this, but this is what your parents think about you kids. Yeah, but I think, I don't think it's, I don't think it was funny enough for it to be put in there. Do you know what I mean? Well, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't a huge fan of that, that, that line. Um, I mean, just, what does he say? I mean, you're, you're fucked or something. Does he say the dad? Oh, you're, you're. you're yeah, because he's 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 you know taking his college his, all his, his college, college money, college yeah. fund, and all that. Yeah, he's paying for everything. They have to live. They're living in the Radisson or whatever. Yep. He's got to drive his minivan, burnt up minivan, as a punishment. But, but Although, yeah, you, that's not street legal. You can't you can't drive that. <laughs> but here's the other thing too. Uh, you, you go away for his. You go away his on the weekend birthday. of his birthday. Like you don't even like you don't even like sugarcoat saying like you have kind of a conference or something. You got to go. Your your wife's going with you. No, you guys are going away for the weekend, and it's his birthday. His eighteenth. Yeah, birthday. I mean, come on here. Like what? Are you, I mean, that's not cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't like you couldn't you couldn't do it the following weekend. Happy birthday, son. Happy eighteenth yeah. birthday. Also, no parties. Also, we're going away. Yeah. You can't do anything. You can't have any house. fun this Either weekend, dog. but we're not going to be here to do anything for you. Like what yeah. is that? <laughs> So that was kind of just, come on. Maybe that's why he threw the party because his parents were jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about release date because this movie got pushed back. This movie was supposed to be released November 2, 2011, and it got pushed to March. Now, I know you don't like the film as much, but what do you think about its original release date of November? Do you, no. think, do you think that being in March helped it? Yeah, it would have gotten swallowed by movies you'd rather see. Like, as much as everybody wants to see a party film. With like drugs and boobs and all that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> that's who was coming to the... I remember this release. That's who was coming to the movie. But in November, you've got bigger movies. This is 2012. So you've already got Marvel movies coming up around this time, probably in November. It's just going to get swallowed up by the Oscar films or the action movie of the time or the big kids movie of the time. Whereas so, March, right. there's, there was nothing competing. So uh, in 2011, November November 4th weekend, I'll give you the, the big releases. You had Tower Heist and a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. There's your stoner movie. <laughs> uh, then uh, the 11th, you had Jack and Jill. Yes. Mm-hmm. you had, I, I, I love Pacino and Jack and Jill. I don't, want, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> you had the wide release of J. Edgar and you had uh, Immortals. And then it, I don't think it, you had on the 16th, you had The Descendants. On the 18th, you had The Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One, which is probably the probably the Thanksgiving movie, Happy right. Feet Two, and then after that, you had The Muppets, the 23rd. That might have been the the holiday one. Uh, Arthur Christmas, Hugo. So there was probably you're right. There was probably jam packed. I don't care what anybody says. I I know nobody likes Jack and Jill, but I love Al Pacino and Jack and Jill. It's it's one of my favorite performances. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Better than Revolution. <laughs> Burn this. No, yes. Yes. It's definitely better than Revolution. <laughs> Just the scene when he they show him the Dunkachino ad that they did for Albacino and it's at the end credits, and he's like, Burn this. No one, no one can see this. It's it's 
it's so oh my god i, I just love it <laughs> uh i can't believe you didn't like it no i can't believe no <laughs> i can't believe you funny dude so i guess i mean maybe why do you think it's forgotten well i don't know it's made so much so- money uh why do i think it's forgotten why do i think people aren't why because i think people, people aren't talking about i it? think well you're a good example of the fact that the believability factor of listen i know this party does never exist in real life nobody ever goes to these parties i've been to parties and i've been to a big size parties mostly in college and they were never like this never never and now no because the cops actually well, show up yeah. and tell you break exactly, exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe i'm just not cool enough maybe i wasn't invited to those parties <laughs> Maybe that was the reason. Maybe that's, you know, but they they never happen in real life. But obviously this isn't real life. This is a movie. So that there's there's always a suspension of disbelief, even in any kind of film. But I think that maybe obviously this isn't good. This this type of movie is not going to attract an older older audience. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not a movie that really will. I don't know if it's a movie that would translate well as people get older. So the. Uh, the a majority of the people that saw saw this film were probably in their early twenties, teenagers, early twenties, mid twenties, late twenties, twenty yeah. year olds. You know, as they get old, they probably forgot about it, obviously, because that's what the podcast is about. Um, they also just don't probably go back, and they don't probably, you know, what I mean. And it's such a movie that is, it's not timeless because it's found footage. It's not like a film that in, it's not repeatable. It's right. Not, it's a it's a it's a rated R. Movie. It's a it's not a hard R, but it's a solid R. So a lot of times those films are not really, you just, they just kind of fall through the cracks. I just, I think this, but I think if you, I think if you reminded people of this movie who probably were not my age, probably were maybe even maybe younger than you, I think they would remember this. Oh, that's right. I, I think this movie just, maybe it's forgotten now because it's only been 10 years. Okay. Maybe in 15 and 20, this movie starts getting, it'll uh, pop oh, remember back Magic X, and maybe that's, Maybe it's too early for sure. for it to be kind of like, you know, why it hasn't been back into the into the ethos or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a believability factor for a lot of people. I think they kind of write it off if they if if they hadn't seen it and they saw the trailers for it and they were just kind of like and nobody said like no 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 you really need to see this movie they're probably like I don't want to watch that like you were you were like it is what I expected that kind yeah. of thing so that's probably part of it. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it made a ton of money, but I think the only reason it would be forgotten is no one talks about it. Sure, they sure. watched it and it kind of it came and went. But I think that speaks to kind of my problems with the film. Right, right. Is that it just is a party. Right. There's nothing to really hold it together that makes you kind of remember parts of it more than other films. Gotcha. All right. Well, I guess that's the end of that episode. Butler, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great podcasts that are there. Uh, we're also available on, you know, the socials, Spotify, <laughs> the YouTube, socials. you know, also wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps our podcast grow. And then join us on Forgotten Cinemas, the lobby on Facebook where we talk about movies and you can kind of communicate with us and uh, let us know what you guys thought of Project X if you saw it. And join us next week where we're going to the future, post-apocalyptic future, but we're only going one year in terms of movie years. This movie is from 2013. We're watching Tom Cruise in Oblivion. That is uh, next week on the show. I oh, do love Oblivion. Do you? I don't know. I don't know. It's what I expected. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like Oblivion. Oh, I do. I, it's been on. Uh, it's actually been on HBO or Stars or one of them. So when it's on, I'll, I'll watch it. So. Tom Cruise is probably our most repeated 
uh, actor on this podcast. Listen, I know we there's obviously other <laughs> there's outside of movie things with Tom Cruise that we all have issues with, or we just kind of shake our head going what, but um he he delivers more than he than he that he doesn't in films. Yep. So I mean, you have to respect that. So and we're ready for Mission Impossible on the Moon. So whenever that's happening, that's great too. <laughs> but uh, but next week we're talking about Oblivion. Um, until then, everyone have a great week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler, and this has been Forgotten Cinema. My name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Ferdell. And together we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th.